Hey everybody, this is Mark Vines. Welcome to the Mark Vines Show. This is your one-stop shop for discussions about freedom, prosperity. Well, I, I'm not so sure about prosperity these days. Free market values. Uh, not really sure about that either. But certainly the American way. But that's that's kind of coming to an end here too. But this, in any way, this is your your one-stop shop. Talk talk about all things conservative. Uh, and I have today. Uh, Frank Runnels, my buddy, uh, is downtown in the uh, occupied military zone of Washington, D.C., and I was in the middle of a nap minding my own business, um, sleeping, dreaming about freedom and prosperity and hoping it will come back, and Frank called me up, and I decided that uh, we had to have a discussion about what's going on. Uh, Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you doing? Well, I you woke me up from a nap uh, because in, in Joe Biden's uh, world of prosperity, um I'm unemployed, so here we are talking about freedom and prosperity. Are you wearing your footy uh, pajamas? My footy, I have to because it's cold in the house right now uh, because <laughs> there's no heat. I don't have any money for yeah, heat. Because, because he shut down the XL pipeline. Now we got to haul it all in. Yeah, <laughs> smart move. That's so much cleaner. That's so much cleaner to use trains and trucks to transport this as opposed to a pipeline. Good move, guys. And I want you to know uh, where America actually has the ability to be selling oil and exporting it and making money. Uh, I now am looking at about two months of this administration and gas prices have gone up, I think, about 50 percent for no apparent reason. Hey, Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah. Great job. That has been fantastic. Well, oh, my the, gosh. The, administra- the administration went to Saudi Arabia and asked them, hey, uh, we're having a bit of a shortfall. Could you guys produce more? And they're like, yeah, not so much interested right now. Can you believe this? Uh We have backed ourselves into a corner, and now we're saying, here, give me that gun. I'd like to shoot myself in the foot again, you know? It's just, it's it's depressing. You know, it really is. And by the way, uh, for all you liberals that are out there and you – want to talk about all how happy you are that Joe Biden is writing more executive off uh more executive orders in the last 60 days than I believe and correct me if I'm wrong on this Frank more than oh, oh Trump did in 4 years and I believe more than Obama did in 8 years that is a phenomenal you know joe i didn't really realize that you had that much energy and yet to do that many executive orders so hey for all you folks out there that were criticizing trump for the executive orders that he wrote um can we do, can we be done with that discussion now because it's official he's written more yeah. than trump in four years and obama in eight years and uh, going after guns i was uh, actually in a store earlier today and i was uh it was a tactical store i was just in there you know buying uh buying a bag and i was actually looking for a holster a particular type of holster and they've been out of stock they were out of stock today and they've been out of stock every time i've gone into the store and i, I asked the the, the attendant, this lady that was working behind the counter, I said, what's going on with these holsters? And she said, since Biden has been in office, the fear of guns being confiscated and you not being able to purchase a weapon, people are, they cannot keep items in stock, whether it's ammunition, holsters, handguns. Um, you know, so what I love about liberals is every time they take an action to reduce guns, they actually drive sales through the roof another good one good good joe good job yeah. very good hey, job hey, good job 
Good job. Yeah, absolutely. That that is one thing Democrats. That is the one industry the Democrats really do support is the gun industry. As much as they caterwaul about you know, gun control and the second, they actually are the greatest proponents of the gun industry because under Barack Obama, it's the same thing. It skyrocketed. You couldn't buy the stuff because they were flying off the shelf. Same thing now. So, hey, they're not all bad about the economy. There's certain segments that they actually like to support. Yeah, they've driven up the gun sales industry. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is, you know, if it wasn't actually our country that we're talking about, this would be funny. But yeah. it's it's kind of depressing. <laughs> and you're down there, Frank, give us a report. Give us the bird's eye view. You're, you're walking around, just so the listeners know, Frank is walking around downtown D.C. right now in the occupied zone. I, I know you probably woke up and thought you were in East Germany, but uh, you're in Washington, D.C., which is kind of the same thing these days. What's it look like? Yeah. Well, I'm down here on the mall, uh, walking towards the Capitol building. Now, they have moved the barriers back uh, one street. So, I mean, it was like on this side of the street. Now they've moved it to the other side of the street. But it still encompasses the Capitol. And every, you know, 100 feet or so, you got a soldier out there hanging out. And, uh, yeah, it looks like it looks like a regime that feels like they actually won this, uh, this presidency fair and square and nothing's amiss. You know, we have more troops. We've had more troops in DC since 1864. They didn't have as many troops here during the civil war, protecting the doggone Capitol from Jubal early and the Confederate army than they did when uh, Biden took office. So, you know, that tells you where we stand. That is unbelievable. It really is. But, you know, it's still kind of cold. It's uh, for those of you that are in the warmer parts of the country in Washington, D.C., it's, uh, uh, you know, middle middle of March now, and it's still kind of rainy and cold and nasty out. But, uh, you know, I always keep my head up and and, and wait for summertime to roll around. And, and I, you know, I'm sure all of you patriots out there the same way I am. My favorite part of the year is Fourth of July, you know, next to my birthday. And next to Christmas, it's 4th of July. And, and Frank, do you know why I love the 4th of July? Do you know why I love the 4th of July? Uh, you like grilling hot dogs? Yes, I do. Uh, I love the 4th of July because I am an American, and I love this country, and I love celebrating the birth of this country. So let's talk about that there a little bit go. here. I'm going to do something <laughs> here for you, Frank. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I'm going to play a little mm-hmm. clip here for you and for our audience and i'm going to play you a clip because the media is not playing this stuff for you so our joe biden president of the united states uh, decided last week to come out from his cave and make an address to the american people and he had a few things to say about vaccinations and the chinese wuhan virus and frank do you know why it's called the chinese wuhan virus do you know do you know why it's called that uh because uh you're a racist and you're trying to blame it on the Chinese? Uh, no, it's because it actually came from Wuhan, China. Therefore, it's called the oh, Wuhan well, Chinese virus. Yeah, yeah, that's, but, it, that too. Uh, but you still are a racist for calling it that. So no, so no, I'm not. No, I'm not a racist at all. <laughs> it's just been, I'm just falling in line because we have labeled every other virus by a name based on where it originated. That's just kind of what we do, what we've done for a very, very long time. But and just for your and just for your audience, 
I don't really think he's a racist. It's a joke. (laughs) Sometimes you got to clarify things for people. Sometimes they take things really serious. Well, you know, there might be some liberals listening to this podcast. And and you know that liberals don't actually have a sense of humor and they can't poke fun at themselves or or anyone else. And so in in the event that you are a liberal and you're listening to this podcast, um, that is a joke. Um, Lighten up, people. It it was just a joke. Yeah. So in the in the fa- in the famous words of Sergeant Hulka, hey, lighten up, Francis. Oh well, I don't know that they're Remember? capable of doing that, but I am going to play you this clip because Joe Biden has some good news for us. So just listen to this clip here. To lessen the confusion, to keep people safe, and encourage more people to get vaccinated. And finally, fifth, and maybe most importantly. I promise I will do everything in my power. I will not relent until we beat this virus. But I need you, the American people. I need you. I need every American to do their part. And that's not hyperbole. I need you. I need you to get vaccinated when it's your turn and when you can find an opportunity. And to help your family, your friends, your neighbors get vaccinated as well. Because here's the point. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. After this long, hard year. That is your president of the United States talking about the virus and the vaccinations. Now, first thoughts. Just get, give me your, your first impressions on that clip, Frank. Let me know. Well, how magnanimous is it of he to even consider letting me and my humble little family maybe getting together, maybe with a couple of neighbors, something other, and actually having, you know, a grill, you know, fest there over the 4th of July. What a nice guy. I mean, who did? Who said this guy didn't have his pulse of America? I mean, good God almighty. Is this not the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? If you're good, daddy will let you have a, you know, a Clark bar, but you got to be good. Yeah, hey, dad. I don't think I'm going to be good. You know, I think I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to live my life, not, not cower in fear. You know why? Because I'm not scared. That's why. Well, and, not, so and, that's and it goes I beyond think. that, Frank. It goes beyond that. And so for those of you that don't know, I was on um, Frank's podcast, uh, Lies People Tell, and we talked about a trip that uh, that I had taken out to Ohio where – and if you have not traveled recently, I, I you just need to understand what's going on out there, folks. So here I am in the airport in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it is wall-to-wall people in the airport. In fact, I don't know that I saw that many people in Charlotte, because I go through Charlotte quite a bit. I don't know that I saw that many people in the airport pre-COVID, to be honest. And then when I get on the American Airlines flight, it was not one empty seat. And, folks, that is not an exaggeration. Not one empty seat there or back. 
And we were warned constantly, you keep your masks on, keep your social distance, or you're going to face civil and, and listen to this, criminal penalties. Yes, folks, they said criminal penalties. And then when you're on the flight, they, they told you that you could be banned from American Airlines if you didn't comply and that you would be reported to the federal government, the, AA, uh, the FAA and TSA, and you could face uh, sanctions from them as well. And the pilot actually said, you're not going to like that. So uh, apparently <laughs> airplanes and the airport are COVID-free zones. I, I'm not sure scientifically how they work that out, but apparently there is no COVID at the airports. Uh, but what I can't do is I can't go to church, I can't go to work, um, and uh, we're debating right now whether or not I can have my family and my friends on my property in my backyard. Um, that, folks, this is, we are now at the point where this is, y- y- y'all need to sit back and ask yourselves what the hell is going on. And Frank, I got to tell you, What shocks me the most about this clip that I just played is not so much that Joe Biden said it, because I've gotten to the point where I expect this kind of stuff from liberals. What shocks me is the uh, apparent ability of the American public to accept this without questioning stuff like this. When in the world... Did it happen that, that Americans and why are Americans not questioning this? Are you? I mean, is it possible that you and I are the only people that look at this and see what's going on and see the absurdity no, I, in this? Is it possible? Honestly, I, I don't think so. I think there are a lot of people that see it, but they are being they've looked around and said. Okay, if I stick my head up too high, they're playing whack-a-mole, and I don't want to be the mole. So they're just sort of biding their time. And a lot of people are doing the Gandhi thing, doing passive-aggressive civil disobedience thing, where they're just saying, eh, screw it, I'm not going to wear the mask, or screw it, I'm going to, you know, uh, open up my restaurant and let the cops bring it, you know, come shut me down. Outside of the D.C., New York bubble, I think a lot of the rest of America is doing like Florida is saying, we're done. We're done playing. We, we've done all we can. Not getting better. The stats are showing that all of these lockdowns and everything that we've done has had negligible different results than being wide open. So I think people have just sort of moved on and said, yeah, I'm not doing it. Now, in the D.C., New York area where we reside, it's still – like this closed uh, Chinese communist society where you will follow the faithful, the dear leader type of thing. It's a little North Korea kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people here are just sort of brainwashed, I guess. But I think outside of this area, it's a little bit different. At least I hope to God it is. The, the interaction I've had with people outside this area leads me to believe that it's different. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it depends. You know, I, I do travel. As I mentioned, I went to Ohio, and there are people that are ignoring these mandates. Uh, however, you know, some of the work I did were with state employees, you know, uh, law enforcement folks and whatnot. And, and if you're working for a government agency like they are, and the training you're, that we did was dependent. Stuck. 
Yeah, you're stuck. Yeah, you, you, you've you got to do it. There's nothing you can do. Although, I do have to say that as I drove around Ohio, I saw a lot of businesses that w- had gone under. See, and again, you, you mentioned oh, the yeah. New York. You mentioned the New York and the D.C. bubble. And the D.C. area in particular, um, it really is a bubble because I think a lot of people that live where I live and where you live, Frank, um, don't really see the devastating effects of these policies because if you're not familiar with the Washington, D.C. area, a huge portion of the economy is driven by government employees, right? So who's not yep. lost their jobs? Oh, yeah. Government employees and military. There's a lot of military here as well. And so by and large, everybody is is employed. I, I, I know that's a broad stroke. I know not everybody's employed, but, but enough of the population to where – our economy in the Washington, D.C. area has been held up artificially because they're mainly government employees. But if you leave, if you leave this area, that's not the case. And so people across the country are being devastated by these policies. Well, I can tell you here in the D.C. area where I work, I work in downtown D.C. And before this all started, there were five restaurants within a three to four minute walking distance from my office. Now there's one. There used wow. to be a line of food trucks at between five to ten every single day on the street. I see one about once every two weeks. So all of those guys are out of business. Their businesses have gone away because when they shut down the government, we quit coming into work for a year. Yeah, and, and that's their that's who they're base. catering to is the government workers right. coming in every day. But, right. That's the only reason why they existed is to feed the government workers that were no longer going downtown. So they all went out of business. Now, I wasn't working during this time. I was overseas. But when I came back and started working downtown, I'm walking around like, what happened to that place? What happened to that place? And all of them were gone. Where's all the food trucks? People said, we haven't seen a food truck in a year because they all went out of business. Yeah. They don't have a clientele. Well, so, not I mean, just the clientele, but I'm sure the draconian um, sanitization. I mean, they in the food industry, because I have friends that are that work in the food industry, and even prior to COVID, this the sanitary requirements um, through the state uh, were. I mean, they, they were very very high standards to begin with, but yeah, then after COVID but, hit, it just became untenable for people to maintain. But they they went out of business because they just didn't have bodies. Because well, they, that's true. they're literally. Their their restaurant and food truck clientele were were if not a hundred percent ninety eight percent government employees because that's all it was in that area is mm-hmm. government offices you know and you know I'm one of the our, my agency is one of the few agencies that actually has people still working downtown most of them are still teleworking mm-hmm. the train I ride probably has about. Uh, 10% occupancy. It used to be 100% occupancy uh, before COVID. Now it's down to 10%. It's been that way for a year. Yeah, and the the train that you're talking about and the metro system, and again, if you're not familiar with D.C., the tra- so in D.C. we have the metro system, which is the subway, basically, and then you have, um, a tr- there's another uh, train system, the Vig- Virginia Railway Express, um, and both of those entities, VRE and Metro, even during regular times, struggle have notoriously struggled financially, and that's when they were at a hundred percent occupancy. Yeah. You can go down, you can go down and take the metro right now, and there might be two or three people per car, 
And, you know, yeah, again, it's, you're it's, talking about an organization that was struggling before. Yeah. I mean, before, my God, you, you it, was, it was not only standing room only. It was like you were right up against everybody yeah. standing room only on the Metro. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, if but, you've yeah, never, if but, you've never done that, I used to commute to work every day on the Metro and that's a, that's a special kind of hell. <laughs> oh, <laughs> was, but, but you it, don't have that problem now. You can be on, you can get your own uh, Metro car by yourself now. Yeah. It, it, it's a special kind of hell is right. But you know, speaking along those lines with Biden, uh, Fauci was being interviewed by, I think, uh, Chuck Todd. And he was talking about, he said, they were asking him about when wedding. He said, well, I don't really know when we can have weddings again. I'll let you know. I'll get back to you on that date. Like, <laughs> you, well, you, you used to have to check with your father. You, you used to have to check with your right. father to get married. Now you have to go to Fauci to get married. Right. Now you got to go to the, the king bureaucrat, the highest paid federal employee in the entire United States, who is consistently wrong in his, his predictions and his his proclamations we got to go to him to decide what the hell who the hell died and left him boss i mean honest to god you know but hey that's one of the biggest mistakes i think trump made was letting burks and fauci up there on the podium he should have told him after a week said yeah i think you're done you know what i mean because you guys are so full of crap by the way if you notice that you haven't heard speaking of dr burks Boy, did she fall off the radar. When's the last time you heard from her? Well, she resigned after she got caught making the pronouncement that, uh, I'm sorry, there's a vehicle backing up there. She made the pronouncement that no one should get together for Thanksgiving and like that. And then she goes up to, I think it's Delaware, and has Thanksgiving with her family. What she said no, we couldn't do, she did. But, you yeah. know, hey, small thing. So she got called out on it. So she resigned in a huff. Like, hey, Scarves, no great loss, okay? Dr. Scarves, no great loss. Yeah. By the way, that that was a very impressive scarf collection. Very she, impressive. And she, she did wonders for the scarf industry, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I used, to, I used to have scarf envy because... Uh, you know me. I'm. I'm. Um, you know, Frank and I taught at the uh, FBI Academy, and you have to wear a coat and tie. And and I always. Uh, I have quite the extensive tie collection. I take great pride in that. And I thought that you know. I I thought I really had it going on with my collection until I saw Doctor Burks, and I realized yeah. I've got nothing on that woman. I mean, she really gave me think, a run uh, a run for my money when it came to. Um, I don't think she apparel ever wore accessories. the same one twice. No, she yeah, did not. I don't think she ever wore. The- yeah, she no. did not, um, yeah. and I—that's why I but, found that very impressive. Because you know, I have a, a pretty good rotation of ties, but I—I I actually made note of that because I noticed the scarves early on, and I'm like, okay, well, scarves are kind of to uh, what a tie is to a man, a scarf is to a woman, and I'm impressed with my own collection. But let me watch, let me take a look, and I kept note of it, and I'm like, damn, in almost a year, I've never seen the same one twice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, I wish she was a little more as, as studious of the stats and the proclamations as she was with the selection of her scarves, because she was pretty much, uh, you know, the, the her and Fauci were the were the two the the gang that couldn't shoot straight type of guys. You know what I mean? They were like the apple dumpling gang. They could well, not shoot straight. Frank, I can tell you, I can tell you from personal experience, and when you know the night before I would go to work. 
getting that combination of a suit and a shirt and a tie took a lot of my time. I know it did. So I cannot imagine. Yeah. I, and so, Dr. Burks, if you're listening, I, I empathize with you. That's a lot of work to decide what you're going to wear is, the next day. See, but see, you know, understand, see, I'm a big one about words and what you say. You took time picking out your shirt, suit, coat, tie, all that. No pants. No pants. I remember many times showing up. You showed up. Perfect ensemble, except down below, no pants. Well, I ran out of time <laughs> to figure yeah. out what pants I was going to wear. <laughs> right. There's only so much time in life. I mean, come I on, know. you know. <laughs> yeah, but she's she's you, out of the you picture. Were, you were like, you were like you were like Brian Seltzer. You hear you hear about Brian Seltzer? He got caught. He was doing like a tubing where he was sitting there, I guess, doing a a Zoom interview or whatever, and it showed that he wasn't wearing pants. Yeah, what is yes. up with these guys? What is up with these guys where they're sitting around like tubing or tube out, as we like to call him, is out there playing with himself, you know, a while on a Zoom call. Then Brian Seltzer, he's doing an interview for TV, no less, no wearing no pants. Like, Put on some pants. If nothing else, just put on some pajama pants, for God's sake. I, mean, I know. And, you know, and if this was somebody in the Trump administration or somebody on Fox News, you'd still be, they'd still be running oh. that story today. Now, that was a story. Oh. That, that was a story, but it was for a couple of days and then it, then it was gone. And, you know, if, if, it, if it's a Trump official, you just never, you never hear the end of it. You just, you just don't. I mean, but, but Frank, I, you know what? Going back to this clip with, with Joe Biden. Um, what concerns me and folks, I don't know, I, I, am going to confess to you. I, I don't really know where I am on this whole vaccination issue because I, I saw a report uh, today, as a matter of fact, that almost half of Republicans, registered Republicans are saying that they have no intentions of getting the vaccine. You know, of course that's, it's a much, much higher rate, uh, of compliance with Democrats and, and again, about 50% of the Trump support. And actually, I, I believe the poll was Trump supporters, not necessarily conservatives, but Trump supporters well, aren't going to get it. You know why, though? You know why, don't you? Oh, why not? Because Kamala Harris said she wouldn't take one. We'd want to be in solidarity with her. She did say she that. She said very specifically during the debate, she said, well, I wouldn't take one. I won't I take mean, that Trump vaccine. That we, yeah. And to prove that we support the first female woman of color vice president, we're in solidarity. That's why we're saying, yeah, we're going to do a Kamala. You are you, you know? are correct about that. She did say, in fact, I think she specifically said, I'm not going to take that Trump vaccine. And so now they're pushing us. And, uh, you know, I think now, the thing be, about but that. Being the, but, go ahead. but being the liar that she is, but being the liar that she is, she did take the vaccine. She did. So, she did in Biden yeah, both. Oh, yeah. But here's yeah, what concerns right, exactly, me, so. um, Frank, and, and again, you and I being criminal investigators for many, many years, I, you know, I listen to what people say, I listen to words, and you, you taught statement analysis, so you cer- certainly do. The thing of, that I found very unsettling to me, other than just the fact that he thinks that he can dictate to us whether or not we can celebrate any holiday, uh, that put aside, it, it was a little bit deeper than that for me, and I'll get your take on this. If you listen to the clip closely, He's really, really pushing everyone to get the vaccine. I mean, in a way that makes you sit back and go, wow, you're awfully pushy about this. Because it, to me, Frank, the way I look at it is this. We all have access to the data. The data is out there on the, the virus itself, 
um, on the vaccines, the three major vaccines that are out there. Um, we're, we're getting results on, you know, how people are reacting to it. All of that information, it's all out there, right? So I have access to that information and I is an adult, right? I can, I can make a decision to take the vaccine because I have to tell you, there's some years I get the flu vaccine. There's other years I don't. I don't know. I make a decision for, for a number of reasons to either get it or not get it. And, but I noticed with this, you notice that Biden is saying, um, you need to get it. You need to encourage your family members to get it. You need to encourage your friends to get it. And, you know, and if, if we all do this and if we do this, then maybe uh, we can get together with our, our friends. And there's just something about that, him being so pushy about getting the vaccine that seems a little creepy to me. And it, in fact, it's beyond creepy. It's, it's I, I, I wonder why he uses the words that he uses, because you, you and I both know that when a president, not just Biden, but any president, when they get up and they speak and they give a space, because that was not an impromptu press conference. That was, this was a prepared address to the nation. And when you, when you do that as president, that is highly prepared. And it is largely, if not exclusively written by somebody else. So those words that he used were on purpose. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> Between my military time, my time in the Bureau, and then my contracting time, I've been with the federal government probably 35 years. And the one thing I've learned, if I've learned nothing, one thing I truly have learned, whenever the government starts telling you how good this is going to be for you and why you should do it, and really just just do it. I mean, don't even don't worry about the fine print. Just do it. You'll love it. It's going to be so much better for you because we're here to help you. You better stop, and if not run the other way, at least read the fine print. So when he's selling it that hard, that makes you say to yourself, why is he selling it so hard? Why does he feel like he has to sell it that hard? Because people, they've broken trust with the people. I don't think people are not taking the vaccine because they're that worried about the vaccine. As They've broken trust with the people so much that – when you feel like you've been betrayed like they have, everything that's uttered by that person, the person who betrayed you or you feel like has been betraying you, is suspect and you don't believe it. It's just common human psychology. Mm-hmm. Someone betrays you. If your wife cheats on you, you cheat on your wife and you still reconcile and get back together. Every time she asks you, where were you? She's going to really question where were you? Even though you may have a perfect solution, you may have a very good answer, she's still going to wonder about that. That's just the way things, and I think they've broken trust so much because everything they said they wouldn't do, they've done. You know, he said he wouldn't do, you know, all of the things with the fracking and all this stuff. Well, he's done all that, you know. He immediately threw, you know, thousands and thousands of good union jobs out the window. He said he wouldn't do that. And all of the things he's promised he wouldn't do, he's going to do. Now they're happy about he's going to have the highest tax increase since 1993. And they're all crowing about this like this is a good thing. I know. All of these things are, and folks, if, and by the way, so if you, if you think it. that's a good thing for you, this tax hike, oh, my God. Well, that we'll do another podcast on that. But anyway, go ahead, Frank. But, but they've broken faith with people. So I think a lot of people are just saying, yeah, I don't buy it. You know, you told me to shut down, to lock down for 14 days. And a year later, you're still saying we're going to be locked down and it could go another year. You said, don't wear a mask. Then you say, no, wear a mask if you have them. Then you say, 
you have to wear a mask. Then you have to, no, you need to wear two masks. Then, so all of these things you say, and then you look at the stats and say, well, the, the stats and the science doesn't hold up. You say, the teachers say, we care about the kids. What, are the, have, what have we been subjected to for the last 30 years? You know, hug a teacher, thank a teacher, because teachers are the ones that are taking care of our kids. They're forming the future. And now it's like, uh, yeah, we never want to go back and teach again in person, but we still want to get paid. And if you don't like it, tough toenails as far as they're concerned. And my wife was a school teacher for a few years, and she's no longer doing that. But she, the one thing she said, which makes perfect sense to me, she, I asked her, why do you think they don't want to go back to school? She said, classroom management. If they're doing Zoom classes, they don't have to worry about classroom management, unruly kids, kids not paying attention, uh, you know, all of this other stuff. All they have to do is teach their lesson, click off, and they've moved on. Because 90% of your job, the hard part of being a teacher is not teaching, it's the classroom management. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, this is great. I don't ever have to deal with these rotten little kids and I can just click and I'm done with them? Yeah, sign me up. That's why the teacher. So when people start telling you, no, no, the teachers, we need to support this, they're not buying it. So he has to sell this vaccine. It ain't going to work. I mean, I'm signed up to take the vaccine, and I will take the vaccine. That's a personal choice on my part. But, you know, I can understand perfectly why people don't, you know? Yeah, and, and I think I'm with you on that, Frank, uh, is that there are a lot of people that should take it, in my opinion, you know, people that are at high risk. Um, if you're a first responder, if you're working in a hospital, you're doing those types of things. I get it. But I, I think this is just the conservative in me, the constitutional conservative. Uh I, I may take it, you may take it, but we're making those decisions. But the key there is that you're making that decision. And that's that's right. what I, I think is, you know, but if you were to come to me and say, hey, Mike, I'm not taking it. I want more research done on it. I don't trust it. Uh, whatever your reason. I, actually, it's not, I don't consider it my business to quiz you on what your reasoning is for not doing it. Okay, that's you. You made a decision. And you're a rational right. adult. I, I'm, 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 a, I'm in that camp, folks. I'm sorry. I know this is crazy. But I think that we adults should be treated as adults, and you do whatever you want to do. I, that is not—I don't consider that my business. You know, that's why the, you know this whole woke culture that we have, uh, and we're going to do a podcast talking about the woke culture, the woke senior military we have. We're going to be talking about that because you know, it, oh, for some reason, God. people made it. Uh, you know, but right now, uh, we we all think that it's our business to tell other people what to do. And I think that this virus, uh, you know, what we're doing with the the coronavirus vaccine is in that in that realm. Uh, now, what they're going to do, you know, Frank, you know, you know what they're going to do in order to, you know, somebody like yourself working as a, as a contractor, or if you're working for a state agency, a county agency, or even schools, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, Mike, <clears throat> you 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 can make that choice. You're you're an adult. Because what you're not going to enter this workplace, or you're not going to come to this university. They've already started that. You know, I'm in a I'm yeah. in a graduate program now, and the the program that I'm in, they've already said you can't come to any in person uh, functions on the campus unless you've had the vaccine. Now, uh, right. I have. I, you know, I'll tell you what my problem with that is: is that well, how are you going to know if I took the vaccine? Um, well, you're going to have to bring your card to us. But then I look at it like, right. well, but that's. Okay, but that's that's my personal medical information, 
And then they say, well, you've had to provide vaccination. Like if you wanted to participate in a sport or go to school, you've had to provide, um, you know, vaccination information before. And I, uh, you know, I, I understand that argument, but I also don't know that we've been told that you can't be employed somewhere if you didn't get the wouldn't flu it be, vaccine. Wouldn't it be easier if they just issued everyone a uh, yellow star of David that you could pin to your clothes and wear. <laughs> Wouldn't it be easier to do that? Uh, well, I mean, that, that's you know what? That's, that that's where it all 40s. started. That's that, you know, yeah. Again, for those of you that don't know, don't read history, don't understand history. You know, we've been here before and, and I, gosh, yeah. you know, I hate, I hate on one hand to use all the Nazi Germany cliches because uh, they're overused, but folks like no kidding. We, we have seen this before. It has happened before. It has happened before. Well, you know why people use cliches? Because there's a modicum of truth to it. That's yeah. why they use them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I get it. Just, you're supposed, never supposed to use Nazis and all this stuff as a, an example. But sometimes they're so apt and no spot on that you can't help but say, God, we've been here before and it didn't work then, you know? No, and a lot of people died as a, as a result of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These, these are and, strange times. Uh, they, they, these are very, very strange times. They are. And, uh, you know, it just goes back to, and I don't need to be a scientist. I don't need to throw data. At, I know a lot of you out there listening are like, well, you know, Mark, prove it. Prove it to us. Show me the data. Show me the data. Okay, look, I, I don't need to show you the data to know that it makes no sense that I can't go to my workplace or I can't go to church. There are certain things I can't do, but I got on a damn airplane and there was not one empty seat. And if you think I'm exaggerating, um, I did post uh, photos of that trip on on the Mark Vines uh, uh, Facebook site. You can check them out for yourself. Wall to wall people, and uh, you you know you see people in the airport and. Uh, I am not aware, I have not read one article about a, a, a massive spike in COVID cases that originated out of the Charlotte, North Carolina airport. Uh, in fact, I'm not aware of one case that came out of well, that. Well, along, along with that line, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the, the photo of Kerry on, in the mm-hmm. first class section of American Airlines not wearing a mask. Did you see that? Uh, you know what? I saw the photo. I didn't realize. Was that American Airlines? I think, yeah, I think it was American Airlines. It wasn't, it, it was a, it was a carrier. And, you know, when he was asked about it, you know what his response was? Oh, his it was, response was I'm, temporary. It was John, I'm John Kerry. He said, I'm John Kerry. Screw you. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know if that was his response or not, but I'm sure that's what he thought. Well, you know I, I again, if you guys, if you, if you folks out there listening have, have flown commercially, you have been subjected to the warnings and the threats that I've been talking about. And I mean, American, it was, it became a joke. They kept repeating it so much that you take that mask off and you will be removed from this flight. You will be banned from a, for a year from American Airlines. And we're going to report you to the federal authorities. That's what they tell well, you yeah, and I. But, and by the way, by the way, I understand they removed well, a family because a, because a baby didn't have a mask on. They removed well, a family. Mike, well, they what they did on this flight with Carrie, they did the same thing, but they keyed off the mic and said, that doesn't apply to you, Mr. Carrie. And then they went back to their <laughs> diatribe, so, just so you know. 
Yeah. We're not talking about you, sir. <laughs> you just go ahead and do what you want. You, no, you don't need to wear pants. You can take your pants off. That's fine. Frank, I got to tell you, I <laughs> never in my lifetime thought we would be discussing these kinds of things. But we are. This isn't, this isn't make-believe land. This stuff is actually happening. It's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah, but it is, it is Looney Tunes. I mean, we're living in a world that is not only turned upside down, it's been turned inside out, too. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's unfortunate, you know? Oh, man. But, I mean, all you can do is what we're doing. You got to you, you gotta put a smile on your face and laugh your ways. You know, what? laugh yourself to, to the eventual, uh, you know, destruction of our republic at this point, I guess. That's all you can do, because otherwise you want to split a wrist, you know? Well, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, we need you in worry, the fight. Don't worry, I'm not going to. No, don't worry, I'm not going to. I'm saying, that's why I'm saying. That's why we got to laugh about this stuff, because otherwise it would be so depressing, uh, you, you couldn't go on, you know what I mean? He's, yeah, but everyone needs to also remember, everything goes in cycles, and even this won't last. I mean, there will be a time when this is going to be in our rearview mirror. Is it going to be rough? Yeah, it's going to be rough for a while. But I really think that they're overplaying their hands so much that there's going to be a visceral backlash. And they they need to be very careful about their what they're wishing for because they may get what they want good and hard. And I don't think that they really want it that good and hard. No, and I really – I mean, people – are, their eyebrows are being raised right now. I mean, everywhere I go, people are, are talking about this kind of stuff. And 60 days, and I, I tell you, this is what Biden does not want, is only 60 days into his administration, people a- asking the questions that we're asking and getting upset the way that we are getting upset. And the media is going to cover for him, right? But you know, but people feel what they feel, and they can do these false polls. They can do whatever they want. But uh, they are on a course. I, I can't, right now, just looking at what Biden is doing, I can't imagine that the, the 2022 elections are going to go well for these guys. It's, it's got to be a bloodbath. It's got to be because th- there's no way that this is sustainable, that what he's doing. No way. No. No, and every Republican attorney general needs to be filing suits. They need to do what they did to Trump. Everything that he's doing, filing an injunction, trying to get an injunction against every one of those orders, and just keep them tied up and lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. And they need to be doing that full time, all the time. They should have a section of attorneys in a, every AG's office that's controlled by the Republicans doing that on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but you know my feeling about the Republican Party. The Republican Party is the, par- the stupid party because we do stupid, stupid things. You know, the Democrat Party is the stupid the party of the stupid because they really cater to stupid people. But the Republican party is just the stupid party because our, our leaders our so-called politicians that's running the show. couldn't find their ass with both hands most of the time. Yeah. Well, the, the Democrat party is stupid, but they are very wicked smart in how they execute their stupidity. Wicked smart. Right. No, that, no, they're not stupid. They're the party of the stupid. There's a distinct difference. <laughs> party, of, party of the stupid is they target stupid people to take them in and make them believe what to tell them is actually good and stuff is good for them. 
that's different. They're not stupid. Oh, they're brilliant. And they're, uh, they're far better at execution than Republicans. Republicans are just a stupid party. Now, they, they are stupid because they seem to think that, well, like the amnesty thing. You know, Rick Scott, uh, you know, the governor, not governor, former governor of Florida, but now senator, he's proposed his own amnesty bill. Like, whoa, whoa, time out. Why are you, as a Republican, joining their bandwagon? Well, ours is different. Yeah, but it's the same end result, you nimrod. I mean, why are you jumping? But that's what we do. It's like, well, you know, we're just going to manage the decline more slowly than they are. You know something? I don't want to decline. I want to win. Okay? How about that for a change, you bunch of losers? You can tell I'm I, I'm really not very happy with the Republican Party. No, and none of us are. Uh, n- none of us are because that they they completely mishandled uh, the election of 2020, and I I put as much blame on them uh, as others. Well, and you know, and I the fact that they just don't have any fight in them is what kills me is you know so if you're a republican candidate out there and you're listening and you plan on running you know that's that's all i want from you is i want some fight because you know we, you know you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see what the hell is happening to our country right now and what i need you to do is get up and fight and in fact i need everybody out there to lead from where they stand. You know, Frank, you and I, from where we stand, you know, with our abilities and what we can do, what we're able to do, this podcast, your podcast, are examples of this. We are doing what we can. You know, we are contributing in our own little way to the cause. And I'm asking all of you to do that, okay? You need to do something, but you can't sit this stuff out. Well, I can tell you this. Unless your name is Trump, number one, DeSantis or Gnome, maybe Cruz, there's no need to even put in the application to run. No need to even try because they have no shot in 2024. I think DeSantis is the front runner. And if Trump got behind him, I think he would, he could wipe the floor with them if they didn't steal the election. You know what I mean? But all the rest of the guys like uh, Larry Hogan, or as I call him, Harry Logan up in uh, Maryland, no need to apply, uh, Honeybake, because you ain't getting it. Yeah, I mean, you stand zero chance. Rubio, zero chance. Scott, zero chance. None. Don't even apply. Oh, well, Hogan's not even a Republican, hey, in Haley, my opinion. Nikki Haley? No. Yeah, no chance. No. Uh, is she, she really, in this last month, she's really done some damage to her uh, Republican cred, conservative cred. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She might as well go ahead and just say, yeah, I've decided to become a Democrat. <laughs> she has no chance in the Republican Party. No, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think I'm keeping my eye on DeSantis. I think that he's, uh, uh, he, he's I, you know, who else I like is, um, uh, you know, I'm having a, a brain freeze here uh, from Arkansas. Um, Huckabee. Uh, no, well, no, Huckabee, but no, there's a, a senator out of Arkansas. Oh, Cotton. Tom Cotton. Cotton, yeah, Tom Cotton. Cotton. I, I love yeah. Tom Cotton. I think he's another one to watch. Cotton. Hmm? I kind of cotton the cotton. You know? <laughs> no, I but he's he's no, he's I, a, he's out there too. I'd put him on the radar right now. I really would. Yeah, but but, but I'll be honest with you, I, I really am to that point where I really don't want any congressmen or senators as a president because their full time job is to talk, 
not to do, but to talk. Mm-hmm. Their full-time job is to not to run things and make out ha- things happen, but to talk. I don't want a talker. That's why I want a governor. That's why I want DeSantis or Nome or someone like that. Even Cruz. I, like I said, I like Cruz, but honestly, I wouldn't be that. I, you know, If it came down to DeSantis, Nome, and Cruz, the first two would get my vote before him because, once again, He's never ran anything. Running a state, especially a state like Florida, that's a huge freaking economy. A lot of juggling, of a lot of crystal balls at the same time. And he hasn't dropped really any of them, you know? Uh, that's what I want running the show. That's what was so good about Trump. He truly knew how to run things. He, may, he wasn't a good politician. As a wholesale politician, he probably was really pretty bad on the whole. But he never pretended to be a politician. He was a businessman trying to fix a broken, failing business. Mm -hmm. And he did as well as he could with every employee in that business fighting him tooth and nail to to try to make him fail. And he still has spectacular success compared to all the other presidents Mm -hmm. in my lifetime to include Reagan as far as statistically what he was able to accomplish. If he would have, you take, name a senator that we've ever heard of that could have even come close to doing the shit he did and would have taken the slings and arrows that he did. None. Yeah, I, I think what was most impressive about Trump, where he really earned my respect, was his, just his toughness. Uh, there aren't many human beings on the planet that could take the daily daily beating huh. he took and, and get up the next day huh. and go at it again. I, that was truly impressive. And I'll tell you something, you know how it is after four years, most of these presidents look like they've aged 40 years, right? Yeah. That son of a gun came out of there looking better than when he went. When I saw him at CPAC, it's like, son of a gun, this guy looks great. He's suntanned. He looks a little weight. He's got some pep in his step. He's just like, this guy's like, I don't know what kind of genes and DNA he has in him. But he's got what uh, what what was Charlie Sheen used to call tiger blood. He's got like tiger blood, man. <laughs> it is, yeah, he, I, and I, I was actually I was agreeing with you because I think he actually looks better after four years than than oh when he went God, in. Yeah. Uh, and there's no one. I mean, no one can say that after having that job. Uh, you know, oh and, and Frank, Frank and I, you and I live in the, the D.C. area. We, we've actually worked in positions that are pretty close to the flagpole there. And I, I can tell you this, folks, if any of you ever, you know, you know, we tell little kids, hey, you know, you, you this is America. You can become president of the United States. Well, you know, I, I tell you, Frank, Frank and I have been fairly close to that position. Um yeah, you don't want that job. Trust me, <laughs> you don't. Yeah, that no. is. Uh, it, it may it may sound good in theory, but that's really not a job that you want. It, it's that's one of the 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 beating that you have to take in that position. No, no one should ever want to take. In fact, if that's you know, you, you always hear these people that want to run for president, and I and I think the first thing we should do is get them all psychologically evaluated because yeah. if you see what they yeah, actually sure. do on a daily basis. Um, I think you might have a DSM well, five diagnosable problem if that's what you want in your life, and, and that's why it's unbelievable that they've let a an eighty seven year old guy with onset of dementia in the big seat, and, and people are pretending like no, 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 he's good, he's good, and it's just like, dude, he wasn't even good before this. You know this, he just 
you know, he probably has to be on a constant Adderall, Adderall drip just to make it through the day. And, you know, every, every conversation, every interview, everything he does has to be before probably six o'clock in the evening because he's got sundowners. And, uh, after that sun goes down, he's out. He can't, he got to go to bed. He, you know, this is, uh, a kabuki theater that we're witnessing with this guy. It is. Yeah, there's there's no way in hell this guy's sitting behind that big oak desk making, you know, barking off orders and, and making decisions. There's there's no way. There's no way. It's the best. No way. The, the best line, the best line I've ever heard him say is when they were talking, he was talking off the cuff. And he said, you know, I wake up in the morning and I look at Jill and say, where the hell are we? And, <laughs> and people try to play it off like, they tried to play it off like he's like so surprised he's in the White House. I literally think he's saying, really, where are we? I mean, I have no idea where I'm at. Cause, and he probably does that every day. Jill, where the hell are we? And who are you anyway, you know? <laughs> oh, Jill. Oh, Dr. Jill is going, oh, honey, come on. That's so funny. I know you. You deserve it. You've worked your whole life to get here. You've always wanted to be president. And Joe's like, no, honey, that's like a legitimate question. I'm asking, where are we? Are we in Di- Wait a minute. Are we in Disneyland? <laughs> President of what? Uh, President of what? What? President? (laughs) I know Dr. Jill, according to Whoopi Gilbert, Dr. Jill is a hell of a doctor, but I don't even think she can handle this one, you know? All right, Frank. Well, listen, it's always, it's always good to talk to you, and uh, thanks for that report from the mil- demilitarized zone of Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, just... Uh, this, it, is po- this is podcast gold. Podcast yeah. gold. <laughs> it's, just make sure you don't go into no man's land there, you know. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, be careful there. No, That's a uh, kill zone. Yeah, oh, I'm not going to scale the fence with a triple concertina wire. I, I'll just wave at him and go on. You know? Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, thanks again, folks. Again, this is the Mark Fine Show. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Follow us on our Facebook page. We are now on Parlor for God's sake, and Rumble. So check us out there. And as always, oh, check, oh and then check out Frank's podcast, Lies People Tell, Lies People Tell. It's out there on all the major platforms. And Frank, uh, you got anything final to say? No, no, just, uh, yeah, ch- check out my podcast and, uh, you know, everybody keep your chin up, you know, uh, it's going to get bad before it gets better, but it'll get better. And, uh, you know, what, what alternative do we have? Right. You know, we'll just oh, deal with it. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, listen, this is Mark Fines and Frank Runnels, and we will be talking with you later. We are out. <laughs>